This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a podcast and radio show for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. Uh, and we are coming now to the, uh, well, fall is officially officially upon us. Uh, the temperatures are kind of starting to reflect that, I think, Father. What about for you in Brookings? Uh, I, that's, it's fine with me to get a little cooler. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and before we get into today's topic, once again, as always, if you're a regular listener, you'll know what I'm going to say. We love listener feedback. Please feel free to email me um, with any questions, comments, ideas for future episodes, things that you'd like us here to hear things that you would like to hear us talk about. The email address is cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. So, um, Father, uh, the... the um the media seems to be a little bit fascinated by our Holy Father these days, don't you think? Holy cow. Holy cow, Holy Father. So there's been, um, particularly uh, as we're recording this, it was last week, last Thursday, an interview that, that Pope Francis actually granted back in August, an interview he gave to the editor of the um, Italian Jesuit journal, uh, La Civiltà Cattolica, um, an Italian Jesuit journal, again, uh, which is sort of a semi-official um, uh, journal, actually, from the Vatican. What's what what's released there is usually read and and given some sort of approval by some of the higher officials in 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 the, the Vatican. Um, the editor was granted a, a, an interview with, with Pope Francis, um, again, who is also a Jesuit. Uh, and, and it was released, done in August, released worldwide in multiple languages, including English, last Thursday, I think at 11 a.m. Central Time. Um, and immediately, some of the major media outlets uh, already had copies of, of it, and, and it, they had embargo. It was embargoed. They couldn't couldn't discuss it or, or, or quote it until uh, 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, and and then uh, things just broke loose, Father. Uh, all sorts of coverage, uh, much of it breathless. Um, CNN, New York Times, a lot of you know the mainstream, more frankly secular uh, media outlets saying things like, you know, Pope changes church teacher. Pope says church can't obsess over abortion and gay marriage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A um, lot of attention um, given to this this interview, and then a lot of confusion on the part of many people, and certainly including uh, many Catholics. Father, any initial thoughts just on the media firestorm that erupted? Uh, I'm surprised I still have hair. <laughs> <laughs> Pulled some out, did you? Yeah, just what made me want to pull it out. Uh, I just get so frustrated. Um, You know, any other, uh, it seems like most other organizations, you know, there's a due diligence on most reporters to try and learn the facts um, and learn uh, the thing that they're reporting, you know. I mean, no one would stand for a sports reporter who knew nothing of uh, what a touchdown was or, you know, what targeting was in in football as far as a head-to-head tackle or something like that. But yet we can have uh, uh, news journalists who report on the Catholic faith with no idea about papal infallibility, the governance of the Church, the history of the Church's teachings. And these things can be known without being a believer. 
Right. Yeah, that's a great point. You don't need to have faith to be able to to understand. I mean, an example, a great example of that is for me personally. Uh, you know, my 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 doctoral dissertation was on an aspect of uh, a disagreement between what the Catholic Church teaches and what what Lutheranism believes um, on, a, on a particular point. And I I was able to, and I made a, a, every effort to to understand the Lutheran teaching even though I didn't believe it. Uh, you know, and certainly we, we, we should do that. You know, what does somebody else actually believe? Not just what do I think they believe. But you're right, Father. It seems like oftentimes when it comes to, to the major media outlets and their coverage of the Catholic Church, they, it seems they, this, they lack all context and, and they seem to have very little idea of what they're writing or talking about. They seem to revel in their lack of context. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's neither here nor there. I suppose you know. I uh, rather than uh, curse the darkness, I suppose we could light a candle. Yep. So yeah, so I, I think so. In this case, it'll be what we're going to. What Father and I are going to do is 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 look in detail um, at, at at least one part of this interview. It's a long interview. Uh, when you when you print it out, I don't know how many pages it ends up being. It's pretty long. I think sixteen pages uh, when I printed it out. Twelve thousand words um, is the length of the interview. So it's a, it's a lengthy interview, and and immediately the the it's it's. It, Whatever the intentions, they, they zeroed in uh, on on a, a tiny portion, and frankly, I think pulled it out of context. Well, they did not frank. They they pulled it out of context, and it, and it completely changed the tenor of of the interview. Or you you, you wouldn't miss you'd you'd misunderstand what he's saying uh, completely. I think if you only read uh, the headlines uh, instead of actually reading the interview itself. So the, before we get into this the, this particular interview or this part. Part of the interview um, specifically, just a, a, something to keep in mind in light of what Father and I were just saying about the the, the uh, mainstream media's apparent inability to get coverage of the church right in so many ways. It's all the more important that 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 you educate yourself about what the church actually teaches, about what Pope Francis really said. Um, this has happened numerous times with him, um, and I think maybe it's part of just his own persona and and how he speaks. But but the <laughs> it, it seems like a lot of times what he says gets distorted and taken out of context very easily. Uh, and, and so, generally speaking, the the rule of thumb is, if the Pope says something and it gets major coverage, make sure you read what he actually said, right. and, and not just what a third party reports about it. Or uh, another good general rule is, whenever you see someone quote the Pope or anyone else, and the, subs- the, the actual quotation marks only surround one word, <laughs> they probably took something out of context. <laughs> yes, they- like the New York Times had something, you know, Pope tells church to stop obsessing over abortion or something like that. Yeah. With, with, you mean with, with quotes around obsessing. Right, right. right. With, yeah. with just quotes around the word obsession. Yes, yes. Um, you know, and, and so um, that's just really, it's, it's, it's difficult in that regard. And I, I told this to my students and parishioners this week, you know, hey, you need to get good sources. I was going to read these things. You know, it's a long interview. I mean, some people guesstimate like 12,000 words yeah, 12, or so. Yep, yep. Now, according to my, I did a little experiment on this. I just had to write uh, around a thousand, I just tried to write a thousand word article for our Bishop's Bulletin uh, before they told me it was actually 800 words. 
Um, but in that, so the 1,000 words, Times New Roman, 12 point font, that was two pages. Right. So 12,000 words would be around uh, 24 pages. So this is a sizable interview. Yep. So, so it's, again, the, the, the <laughs> and even if you don't read the whole thing, read the context for the parts that get the attention, as is in the case with Obsessed or the discussion of, of a, the church's teaching on abortion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the, the other point more particular to this, this whole, um, the, is the interview and the media attention around it, the, <sighs> Father, I think a lot of people, including many Catholics, uh, have this idea that the Pope, um, whether or not he does, he he possesses the ability, he has the power to change church church teaching. They they see the Pope as sort of like um, I don't know the CEO of Catholicism Inc. Um, somewhat like, you know, the supreme dictator, so to speak, of the Catholic right. Church. Not just president, but president, legislature, and judiciary rolled into one. So basically, whatever the Pope says goes. And that's not the role of the Bishop of, the Rome, in the, uh, Bishop of Rome in the Catholic Church. No, and it's not the identity. Uh, it's, it's not the meaning of infallibility. It's not the meaning of the Petrine ministry, the ministry of Peter. Uh, it's a total misreading. What's really, it's... Uh, it's kind of a Nietzschean will to power, um, post-Nietzschean reading, and that, that was just how in uh, in the West in these days we just reduce any authority to simply power. Right. That he's an authority, so he has power. Right. He has power to decide, to speak, to fiat, uh, as if he would legislate through an interview, uh, which is kind of ridiculous in the first place. Yep. You know, if he had that power. But secondly, again, the papacy is at the service of the truth. Right. The whole idea that in our Catholic faith, everything's at the service of the truth as we read it in the scriptures and and, uh, and in the tradition of the Church. And so we can't go beyond that. We're, that's what we have, and that's what we'll use, and that's what I'll die preaching. Absolutely. The, 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 and, and if you look out, you know, we... we, we... As Catholics, um, particularly those you know maybe who've had some some theological formation, we acknowledge, we recognize that there's development of doctrine, but that does not mean reversal. That does not mean that something that is true uh, today w- could possibly not be true in a thousand years. It's a, if it's a matter of faith and morals, if it's a matter of not a church, uh, not a, a practice in the church, like what language the mass is prayed in, or some of the particularities of how the sacraments are celebrated. If it comes down to a matter of of doctrine, of belief, then truth is truth. White is white, black is black. They don't switch over time. And yet it's, you know, I think Father, part of this, you know, what Pope Emeritus Benedict talked about is the dictatorship of relativism before he was elected to the papacy. Um, you know, we hear a lot about relativism, uh, rightly so in our day, because when it comes to religion, everything tends to get reduced to opinion. Um, to, yeah. to just, you know, it's, well, that's what you think, but I think something else. Well, I'm, I'm interested. I'm not, it's so much, it's not about what I think. I want to know what the truth is. I want to conform my understanding. I want to conform my intellect to reality. Uh, and, but it seems like when it comes to, to religion, uh, and religious views, uh, it becomes a matter of opinion. And so people think that, uh, Pope Francis has a different opinion about abortion, gay marriage and contraception than France or than Benedict or John Paul II. And therefore he has, or might change what the church teaches. He right. can't. Right. And then, uh, now I, uh, 
I have to say, I don't know if these mistakes on the part of journalists and those uh, peddling the news are necessarily innocent mistakes. I think they would like uh, to rid, uh, or at least uh, to, uh, um, maybe rid isn't the right word, but at least to confuse and to divide the Catholic Church, uh, her members, her faithful people, uh, Joe and Mary's six-pack out in the pews. And so, uh, so I think this misunderstanding isn't just an innocent, oh, I wish I'd known better. I think it's more of a, hey, you know, I could you know, deliberately misread this in this way. Right, right. And, but either way, it's wrong. <laughs> I mean, whether it's innocent or not, it's, it's incorrect. Yep. So, and the other thing too, you know, <laughs> a lot of people, this is another widespread, commonly held opinion, and I, I think among many Catholics, uh, and not just among secular media outlets, is that the Catholic Church, and this is reflected in the coverage of this interview, the Catholic Church is is fixated on uh, issues like this, abortion, contraception, gay marriage. No, she isn't. No, we aren't. And now, Francis, we'll get into the words that Francis is saying we can't be, um, and he's right. We, we, we can't be overly fixated or obsessed. There's a context, and we'll get into, into that in a bit. But the, the point that, that, that we want to make now is that this is the whole looking to a mirror thing and, you know, and, and, and projecting your, your image on someone else. The Catholic Church is not fixated on, on these controversial issues, these issues that are controversial in our culture. She teaches them and she teaches them firmly. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're fixated on them. Right. And I, I think in some ways, uh, the preaching of a, of a church leader, whether it's a pastor, a bishop, a pope kind of becomes kind of that Rorschach test, uh, for the media and those who report them, you know, that they see what they want to see to them. is just an inkblot and, and they kind of emphasize what they emphasize. Uh, I remember when I was out in uh, Denver at the seminary there, the Archbishop at the time, Charles Chaput, now the Archbishop of Philadelphia, gave a pro-life, respect life month homily in October in which he said, you know, if we do not love the poor, we will go to hell. And he was actually pounding the podium and repeated that line several times, if we do not love the poor, we will go to hell. And very much the main thrust of his homily. But of course, you know, what does the Denver Post pick up? But uh, his one statement saying, you know, Catholics, you know, cannot support abortion or something along those lines. Um, and so very much kind of that Rorschach experience of just uh, telling us a lot more about the reporters than about the one who actually speaks. Exactly. If you, if you again, if you look at what, in this case, Archbishop Chaput actually said, it, it does not... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't match up with the the coverage. The emphasis that was given to things like care and concern and love for the poor was not reflected. They hone in on the issue that they're fixated on. Right. Uh, yeah. Or that they want to make it appear as if we are fixated on. Exactly. When, you know, as, as you just said, you were there, you witnessed it, pounding the podium repeatedly. If you did not love the poor, you will go to hell. Uh, and, and apparently that that's not what got the coverage then, right? So, so that's something to keep in mind. And by the way, if you, this this interview in English, um, it was published in the American Jesuit journal America. Um, the title of it is "A Big Heart Open to God." You can read it online without any subscription to to America. Um, so, if you just Google it or Bing it or whatever search engine you use, um, "A Big Heart Open to God," America should get you to it. Um, so you can find it there. And and the section that we're we're going to talk about here uh, in a moment is is 
is titled The Church as Field Hospital. But anything, before we get into the details, Father, anything generally about the, the, what we've been saying thus far that, that, that uh, is there anything you have that, that you'd like to add to what we've been saying thus far about the whole? You know, I'd like to add one sentence, and I'd like to quote a uh, Mediterranean peasant Jew who happens to be God from God, light from light, true God from true God, Jesus Christ. I'd like to quote him saying, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Okay. Can you explain that now, though? <laughs> be wise about getting your sources. Be wise ah. about finding good sources of information. Don't believe the first thing fed to you by a media whose main uh, purpose is profit. I don't mean that with P-H-E-T. Right. Okay. Yeah, not to prophesy, but to post a profit and make more money. Absolutely. So... Having made these general remarks, we want to focus in then on on, on some of the spe- this specific section of the interview that got the most attention. Um, the, the section is the church and field hospital as field hospital, and the question that that uh, uh, the the editor um, poses to Pope Francis, uh, the editor, by the way, is is Father Father Antonio Spadaro, uh, an Italian. Or Sicilian, technically. Um, so Father Spadato asks Pope Francis, what does the church need most at this historic moment? Do we need reforms? What are your wishes for the church in the coming years? What kind of church do you dream of? Um, and first, there's reference to, to uh, the, the, the earlier context was uh, talking about uh, Pope Benedict a little bit, his resignation. And Francis began by saying, Pope Benedict has done an act of holiness, greatness, and humility. He is a man of God. And then he gets into his answer to the, the follow question about, you know, what does the church need today? So he starts this way. He says, I see clearly that the thing the church needs most today is the ability to heal wounds and to warm the hearts of the faithful. It needs nearness, proximity, so being close to the people. I see the church as a field hospital after battle. It is useless to ask a seriously injured person if he has high cholesterol and about the level of his blood sugars. You have to heal his wounds. Then we can talk about everything else. Heal the wounds, heal the wounds, and you have to start from the ground up. So what does that mean concretely, practically, when it comes to the church's work in the world? He, he goes on to explain this now. He says, the church sometimes has locked itself up in small things and small-minded rules. The most important thing is the first proclamation. Jesus Christ has saved you. Again, he says, the, fir- the most important thing is the first proclamation. Jesus Christ has saved you. And as the ministers of the church must be ministers of mercy above all, um, the confessor is always in danger of being too much rigorous or too lax. Neither is merciful. Uh, and, and he goes on from there. And, 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 and I'm going to look at some of the later excerpts. But Father, I just want to start with that. The most important thing is the first proclamation. Jesus Christ has loved you. So the basic gospel message, the, the, the Greek word is kerygma, the, the, the good news of salvation. Jesus Christ died for our sins, rose from the dead, and is Lord as Savior and offers his salvation to us all. Uh, Francis is saying that that we need to um, re-emphasize that truth in our day and age. And and you and I have talked about this uh, in a variety of different contexts. Um, and that's something that in many ways is going on today, right? Right. Very much that effort of kerygma of proclaiming the gospel, Jesus Christ has saved you as uh, Pope Francis expresses it. Uh, and very grateful. Uh, I think there's been there's been streams of that renewal in the church, uh, certainly without a doubt. And very grateful that we 
at least in my priestly formation and some of the pastors I've been with have uh, been able to be a part of that and very grateful for that. Absolutely. So, so this is happening. Francis just saying we need to. I, I, I don't know if he's, you know, maybe giving more emphasis that that we have to go to the ba- back to the basics uh, in that way. And I think it, you know, we'll talk about this more in a bit. But I think he's completely right. Um, if if we go down a bit further, then in this section, uh, this is where he discusses the 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 countercultural, the controversial issues. He says we cannot insist only on issues related to abortion, gay marriage, and the use of contraceptive methods. This is not possible. I have not spoken much about these things, and I was reprimanded for that. But when we speak about these issues, we have to talk about them in a context. The teaching of the church, for that matter, is clear, and I am a son of the church, but it is not necessary to talk about these issues all of the time. So he goes on to explain that, but the thing that I want to emphasize is, is the, the latter sentence. The teaching of the church is clear, and I am a son of the church. Francis is explicitly stating that he is not going to change. He has no desire to change the church's teaching on this point, Father? Right. You know, so the, there was a headline that they didn't uh, publish. Pope Francis, a son of the church. Yes. <laughs> the teaching of the church is clear. Yeah. He, he, yeah. yeah. He, he does say it's not necessary to talk about these issues all the time. And then he goes on, uh, the dogmatic and moral teachings of the church are not all equivalent. And we're going to have to explain that. Uh, he goes on, the church's pastoral ministry cannot be obsessed with the transmission of a disjointed multitude of doctrines to be imposed insistently. Proclamation in a missionary style focuses on the essentials, on the necessary things. This is also what fascinates and attracts more, what makes the heart burn as it did for the disciples at Emmaus. So, Father, my, my, my read of what he's saying there is not that we shouldn't talk about abortion, uh, gay marriage, and the use of contraceptive methods. He's saying that they have to be talked about in a context and that we have to make sure that, you know, there, there is a hierarchy of truths. That doesn't mean that some truths are less true. It means that there are some things that, that are more at the core of our faith and that make shed light upon everything else. And Father, I, my, my experience ratifies this, that when people come to uh, a, a deep personal knowledge of Christ in and through the church and encounter with him and the sacraments and his in his grace and the sacraments and so on, it makes it a lot easier for them to wrap their heads around and accept the church's teachings on the more controversial topics. Does that make sense? Certainly. I was actually thinking about this. I don't know if this was before this came out or maybe I was reading something else, but um, thinking about John chapter 6 and the teaching of our Lord on the Eucharist, right? Um, He teaches the Eucharist, okay, uh, unless you eat my flesh and drink of my blood, you can't have life within you. Uh, The crowd and even some disciples are repulsed by this, and most all the disciples and, of course, all the crowd who's just kind of there out of curiosity leave. And he turns to the 12 apostles then, the inner group, and he says to them, you know, what too do you, uh, and what about you, do you also wish to leave? You know, their answer is, is it no, we understand perfectly. Their answer is, to whom shall we go? Uh, we are convinced that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Uh, and so they make an act of faith in him and his person. And to say, we, we know you, we've met you, we're with you, we don't understand you, but we know we need to be with you. Right, you have the words of eternal life, everlasting life. Right, so I think that being that uh, a bit of what maybe Pope Francis is, at least that's what I'm hearing him try to evoke, now this might just be my own Rorschach, um, but of him uh, saying, look, you know, these are important things, these things that give life, but um, if people don't have, in a sense, the motivation, they don't have the relationship with Jesus Christ, um, 
you know, they might be repulsed in that way. Now, does that mean when the time comes, like Jesus, we don't preach about them in truth and inaccuracy? No, Christ preached about them in truth and inaccuracy. Um, but that we do need to uh, make sure they're also inviting them to the uh, the heart of the faith, which is Christ himself. Exactly. And, you know, to me, as, as you and I, I was telling you this uh, before I started recording, I really think this reflects, you know, in, in our own local church, the Diocese of Sioux Falls, some of the things that you already talked about with, you know, the formation you received, um, the, the the approach, the emphases that you and your brother priests are taking. And I think in in our offices um, with, with this, more broader emphasis on discipleship and evangelization uh, is is really I don't converging nicely, so to speak, with what what Pope Francis is saying, much like what Benedict said before and John Paul II before him. Um, but they're doing it each in their own way. So the, the the biblical image that that somebody pointed out to me a couple years ago uh, to me it came to my mind when I read this part of the interview, and that is that if you look at the Old Testament, the saving moment, the, the 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 crystallizing moment for the people of Israel as a nation was the Exodus from Egypt, the salvation from slavery in Egypt. Um, and, and what we see there is that God gives the, the people of Israel uh, his teachings in, in the law um, on Mount Sinai. But before he gave them the teachings, the law, they had this incredible experience of his power, of his, of his salvation, of him. Uh, in in the Exodus itself, when they were literally freed from slavery, and 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 I think what F- Francis is saying is we have to make sure that we we today maintain that order, that we try to foster that encounter with God, and then the teachings come. In fact, early, just a bit on, later on, he talks about that in preaching. There's nothing more solid, deep, and sure than this proclamation. Then you have to do catechesis. Then you can draw even a moral consequence. But the proclamation of the saving love of God comes before moral and religious imperatives. So it's just a matter of getting getting the order straight, I think, is, is what Francis is, is is reminding us of here. Right, and that it's, it's worth paying attention to that, because again, it's at the heart. Um, you had brought to my attention uh, a blog by uh, Cardinal Sean O'Malley, the Cardinal Archbishop of Boston, uh, who talks about how there's a danger in the Church of reducing Christianity uh, to some sort of moral system. We are more than that. You know, we, we have a morality, very clearly uh, we have morality, but at the same time we, we are more than that moral system. And, and our mission, as he says, is to take people to Christ, discovering Christ and his love for us. Uh, and our hope that people then embrace the life of Christ after that encounter with him. Um, I, I can't actually think of, uh, in just hearing you read that section of Pope Francis's um, talk, I think of just the fact that we're trying to still pull ourselves out of some of the mess we've been in for the past couple hundred years, but that's maybe a whole other topic altogether. <laughs> Probably. Um, I, I don't think we can cover that in 15 seconds, can we? Probably. No. No. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I think, Father, the bottom line is take this and read it yourself, right? Amen. Amen. So uh, that is going to draw this episode to a close. Uh, some of these things will be talked about. I'm, I'm, I do want to mention, we'll talk about this more later, but at the conference on the new evangelization, that's going to be the end of October. Um, we'll talk about that more later. But for now, uh, if you have any other questions, comments, ideas for future episodes, it's cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.